Everybody good doing well today? Who's happy that it's December? Ah, some of you guys, some of your bank balances are not happy that it's December. <laughs> You're hoping for, for a special bonus somewhere. And, uh, but I think what I've experienced over the years, even in the midst of every season and every circumstance, we're able to walk in all that God has for us because we are willing to look to Him and not to our circumstances. Am I right? So just as the youth make their way through, I want to welcome you to our new series, Missing Peace. Uh, and we're going to be looking at the, for the next four Sundays, we're going to be journeying together up until the 24th of December. We'll be having Sunday celebrations every Sunday this uh, month, and then we will also have a Christmas celebration on the 25th at our usual time, 9.30, and I really want to encourage you to join us for that. But this morning, I want to start off by asking you, what do you really need in life? What is the one thing that you really want? If I, if I could give some of you, uh, uh, okay, I don't really believe in wishes, but maybe if, if we played the game a little bit, instead of, if you could wish for one thing uh, that you could receive or that you could have, what would that be? Some of you would say, yes, I would, I, I, I'd love to have more money. I wish for more money because, you know, that would make my life a lot easier. It solves a couple of my problems, takes a little bit of the pressure off. Uh, some of you would be praying and, and maybe wishing for um, uh, you know, a better marriage uh, or a good marriage. Um, others of us might just say, listen, I, I just want to be happy. And then there are some people that are really clever. Because you'd say if you had one wish, you'd wish that you could have more than one wish. <laughs> you could have more than what you were bargaining, bargaining for. And, and I think as we come into this festive season, it's important for you and I to see just the significance of what we actually have access to and what we are a part of. Um, and especially in this festive season, we see how the angels, you know, with, with the birth of Christ, the angels, uh, you know, heaven opened and the angels appeared to the shepherd boys, uh, shepherds out in the country field. And what do they say to them? We, we, we hear them say, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth is their proclamation. They proclaim peace with the coming of Christ. And what I've realized as I look at our lives today is that the one thing that we really all really need, you know, because money can be taken away. Your marriage can go through a rocky patch. You know, the happiness sometimes can change based on your circumstances or the situation that you feel and that you face. But God wants you and I to experience peace and throughout the scriptures, we see this very significant, and I think a, a very helpful greeting. Whenever the angels would appear to somebody, what would he say? Peace be with you. Am I right? There would also be this greeting when Paul writes, often and many others would write, they would say, grace and peace be with you. Not grace and popularity, not grace and power or riches, not grace and fame, but grace and peace. It's so, so significant. Friends, and I'm trusting that today as I share with us that you and I would be able to experience, encounter, enjoy, embrace, and actually find ourselves rooted and built upon the peace that transcends all understanding and would transform our lives. And the question I'll be asking is, 
it possible to have peace? Is peace even possible? So let me pray for us as we get into God's Word. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. And this morning, right now, Lord, I thank you that we can come before you, come before your Word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that our minds would be set on you, our hearts would be transformed, and our lives, as we express it, would be flow from the peace that we have received from you, and that is rooted and built up upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So friends, my, one of my favorite passages, just even as I was preparing for this uh, series, is found in Isaiah chapter 26. And we're going to be looking at verse 1 through to 4. And Isaiah is writing at this stage to the people of Israel who are experiencing some challenges. Anybody look around the world today and feel like there's some challenges? You know, we've got an election coming up and lots of guys are talking and one, one group of people are saying, we're going to save South Africa, you know, and then, I'm, and, and then others are saying, we're going to own this and we're going to do this. And, and we, we look at the world and, and the economic situation and our families and, and we realize inflation is hectic and there's so many things that go about. But for the people of Israel, they found themselves in a very similar space. And in the midst of this reality... God's word comes to them as it comes to you and I today in Isaiah chapter 26. He says, in that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. If you're under pressure, if you're feeling stressed in every side, begin to sing. Begin to sing God's song. This is the song they sing. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter, and you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Verse 4, trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Friends, can you receive, can you have that, those words penetrate your heart this morning? That as we look, as we wait, as we fix our hearts on the God of peace, that even though we're going through trials and challenges in our circumstances, God is able to transform us. It says, I love what he says. He says that God will keep us in perfect peace. Now, what is that? What is perfect peace? I mean, peace is like a, a good thing, but what is perfect peace? What, what does it mean to be kept in perfect peace? Now, that word in Hebrew for peace is shalom. Many of you know this already, but the reality of shalom, what shalom represents, it's a loaded word. It's a word that has impactful meaning for us. It says that it means to have wholeness, completeness, fullness of peace. And it was a way, every single time a Jewish person would meet someone, they would speak shalom over them. They would speak peace over those people that they would, would come into contact with. I want to ask you, what do you greet people with? Do you greet them with, ah, oh, you know, how's it but, you know, my, my moment to unpack my frustration. Can't believe the government's doing this. Did you check this fraud case? Did you see this thing? There are so many people starving. Where are problems of the world today? Is that what you greet people with, or do you greet them with peace? But what's amazing to see is that when Isaiah writes, when he uses this word peace, he says, let 
you be kept in perfect peace. That word shalom or peace is repeated twice. It says, may you be kept in shalom, shalom. A double blessing. You and I receive a double blessing from God. I remember driving in the car uh, to the coast once with Mark and Marie, uh, our eldership team. We, we went down just on holiday together, and, and, uh, and we had some of the kids in our car, and uh, we, we had a packet of, of marshmallows with, with the coconut on them. You know, you, you know those ones. And I remember us taking, you know, sending, each one takes one, and then sending, sending it along the car. And next minute, I hear a voice from the back, John Mark screams out, double blessing! <laughs> and we're like, what's, what's, what? I'm like, Mark, what's this double blessing thing? We're like a little bit shocked, what's going on? It's like, oh, no, 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 no. When he put his hand inside the packet of marshmallows, if he pulled out two, because sometimes that happens, they stuck together, then he's allowed to have two. <laughs> he gets a double blessing, even though he wasn't expecting it. When you and I, Allow God's song to be sung over us. When we enter into His peace, what do we receive? A double blessing. You receive that which you didn't deserve, that which you didn't work for, that which you didn't earn, but you receive it because God is good and God loves you and God wants to to bring you into the fullness of what He has. He wants you and I to experience perfect peace. And so... I want you to understand that when I speak about peace, that our peace isn't found in the absence of problems. But our peace, or true peace, is found in the presence of God. So many times in the world today, and I'm going to touch on it a little bit later in in my message, but in this world, if, if you had to Google, how do I find peace? Most of the time, the 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 advice you get is go somewhere to solitude. Remove from you certain things. Don't think. Empty your mind. Become absent when actually what we really need is we need someone to be present. And so I believe that as we go into this season, I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what you're wrestling with right now. God wants to bring you and I into a place of perfect peace. We're in the midst of struggle and trial and challenge. We can experience His presence because it's in His presence where there's fullness of joy and peace. Now, I I know many of us would say, well, Gareth, it's one thing to say that I should have peace and I should experience and I should draw from it. But how do I do that if I'm struggling in my finances right now? How do I do that if I'm struggling in my relationships? If I feel like no matter what I do, I'm pinned in the corner and I just don't. I feel like I'm on the back foot all the time. How do I do that? Friends, the battle begins in our minds. So often I've, I've spent time with people and their circumstances are dismal. They are terrible in comparison to what I and you and I would, might think of. Maybe I've lost a loved one to a violent crime or have had to go through a miscarriage or major financial setbacks. And I look at their lives and I wonder, how can they be experiencing such peace? And it's because I, when I look at their lives, when I listen to how they speak, when I, then I see that they've been working at the battle in their minds. They have 
not allow their circumstances to rule over them. It's amazing for me to see that they, if, if you look at this verse uh, 3 in two different translations, it speaks about, uh, in, in, in NLT, it's, if, for instance, it says, you'll keep in perfect peace all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. The NIV says it this way, it says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are set fast. Friends, the battle is in our minds. And it's not a matter of mind over matter. Like I said, it's not about trying to will my way through this, but it's actually setting my heart and my mind upon the things that are above, the person, the character, the presence of God. And as I draw from that, I can face the circumstances I'm going through. What are you fixing your eyes on? What are you fixing your mind on? News 24, social media, the newspapers, the circumstances, that boss, that colleague, that whenever you come into their presence, they don't speak shalom over you. They're speaking turmoil and struggle. What are you fixing your mind on? Because this word to fix in the Hebrew is actually called samak. Now what that means is, to lean on completely and to fully rest oneself. To lean on completely. It, it means that I cannot, if, if you've had a major operation and you struggle to walk, you have a walker or a cane that you work with. You lean on it. Why do you lean on it? Because you cannot walk or stand on your own. Friends, in this life, you and I cannot at any point in our lives, stand by ourselves. We have to fix, we have to lean our hearts and minds upon God's perfect peace. When we have kept, we are kept in our peace when we, our minds are leaning on God. And His perfect peace is when our thoughts are resting on God's unfailing promises for us. What are you fixing your eyes on? What are you leaning on right now? Where does your thoughts go when you have nothing to do? That determines or often shows us where our leaning is. Is it towards the worries, the stress, that child that's caught up in drug addiction? Where does your mind go? Is it towards social media? Is it just an opportunity to escape? Is it the, the worries and the stress? The political division that might exist? Where does your mind go? God wants us to fix our eyes and our thoughts upon Him. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 to 9, Paul writes, and now Paul is somebody that, even as he's writing this epistle, this, this letter, to the Philippians, where is Paul at this very moment? In jail, in prison. He is not in the best of circumstances that any of us would ever think or imagine. But what is his, what is his encouragement to those he's writing to? In verse 8, he says, Fix your thoughts on what is true, on honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, that think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, then the God, then the God of peace will be with you. 
when you and I lean, so when you feel like you're being drawn away, when you feel like you're being sucked into that negative thoughts or talk or behavior or wanting to disengage, wanting to escape, this is the opportunity for you and I to lean into what God is saying and what God is wanting to do. Because that is when we experience His presence. So when you're in that place, this is when I, when I feel like I'm overwhelmed and I feel like I'm even tempted to sin. Tempted to sin in that same sin that I've always struggled with. What do I need to do in that moment? Fix my eyes. Fix my thoughts on Him. God, you are good. God, you are merciful. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence here with me right now. Even though I feel like I want to do something that I don't want to do, but I really feel like I want to do it. Lord Jesus, I want to fix my eyes on you. Fix my thoughts on you. You are good. You are kind. You are gracious. If I feel lost, you are there to guide me. If I feel weak, you are there to strengthen me. When I'm hurting and frustrated and feel like I'm struggling to forgive this person for what the wrong they've done in their words and actions against me, Lord Jesus, you are the one who comforts me. You're the one who gives me strength to overcome. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, he begins and he, and he talks about the life and the spirit and, and our identity in God, Christ, but then he begins to talk about some of the, the struggles, the trials that we would face in this world and how difficult it can be at times. But then he begins in verse 31, he, he says then, what shall we say about these things? What shall we say about the challenges that we face? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with, um, uh, will he not with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn us. Friends, if you are feeling like you're overwhelmed by your sin, by the accusations of the enemy, by your past mistakes and failures, even if it happened before you walked through this door, I want to say to you, Romans 8 begins by saying there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you and I are in Christ, we no longer live with fear of judgment. But as we see here, God has set us free from that. But then he says these beautiful words. He says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your, uh, your sake we are being killed all day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Even in the midst of certain death, what do we have to hold on to? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through Him who loved us, Friends, you and I need to understand that as we, as we access the love of God, as we walk in His presence, as we lean upon, as we fix our minds and our hearts on Him, He brings us into perfect peace. Jesus gave us this promise in John chapter 14. He says, peace I live with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. 
I mean, for how many years has the world spoken about and longed for world peace? Have we ever gotten to a place of world peace? The world cannot give you peace, friends. This side of heaven is not going to happen. Because we are fallen human beings, we're selfish, and we are going to be looking out for ourselves. But Jesus says, he doesn't give it as the world does. Not something that doesn't last, but something that is eternal. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not be afraid. Jesus says that you and I, he doesn't give us a peace. He gives us his peace. And that is when it's only in him that you and I are able to experience perfect peace. Because peace is not found in the absence of problems. It is found in the presence of Jesus. Friends, I want to give you three quick action steps, three practical things that you can do as you, as you sit even right now. But I'm asking you and I'm encouraging you this week, when you open tonight, today, I don't know if you're a newspaper reader, if you, if you open up that newspaper and you're like, oh, look at this, and they uncovered this again. You want to go there, you go see a family member over Christmas, and they're talking about the economy and how difficult things are. Can you and I apply these things? The first thing I want you and I to do is, to, is thinking. There are three of them, thinking, thanking, and loving. I couldn't think of another third there for the loving. So thinking, Paul writes in four, uh, Philippians 4, 18, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The world says to you, don't think. Empty your mind. Get yourself clear, and then you'll find inner peace. Just until the dog barks or the phone rings, or your toes sore, or you're, ha- you're hungry, just until those moments, then your peace is over. Someone cuts in front of you. You and I, it begins by thinking. What do we think about? It, to think, that, that whole concept that, that Paul is talking about is, is actually to drill down, to, to, to chew on, you know, like to gnaw at a bone. You've seen a dog when it's got a bone. It holds that and it's just gnawing at it, like over and over, until there's nothing left. Can you and I begin to take God's word and say, Lord, I'm going to not just read, oh, cool, my word, verse for the day, oh, great. Can I eat it, eat it every single day? Get yourself an audio Bible, put it in the car. Don't listen to the radio, listen to the Bible. Spend time in, in, in worship, spend time in God's presence. You see, the, 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 the world's answers to anxiety and stress is, is to just go out there and find yourself. Get more thought control. But the way that you and I control our thoughts is by fixing our hearts and our minds upon things that are above. Filling our hearts and minds with what God has said. When those thoughts come in, we replace them. D.L. Moody said, I can't stop a bird from flying over my head, but I can stop it from making a nest on my head. Thoughts will come, negative things will come, sinful temptations will come. They will pass, but you and I have a, a, a control over whether or not we have them rest upon us. Can you and I begin to fill our hearts and minds with God's word 
His presence, His power. Because Paul says that peace does not come from the lack of thinking, but actually thinking more. The next one is thanking. Can you and I begin to thank God? In verse 6 it says, do not be anxious about anything. Anybody worried about your financial situation? Worried about your, your children, your marriage, your work scenario, the country, the world? Do not be anxious about anything, he says. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We think we can just, like we're going to try and pray away our circumstances. Our prayer should be saying, Lord, can I pray in line with what you're saying? Give me your perspective, Lord. Tell, tell me what you see in this situation. Paul encourages it. He says, he doesn't say what we think is we pray, and then afterwards we say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you heard my prayer and that you're going to do what I ask you to do. That's, how, that's what we think. We, think. we thank God afterwards. When we receive what we were looking for, am I right? That's what we do. Hey, guys, I just want to hear a testimony. Thank God for what he's done for me. But actually, friends, we should, as we pray, as we make our requests known, at the same time, it's with thanksgiving. As you pray, you thank God. It is amazing for me to see that so often I've prayed prayers, and as I look back, I, I realize, Lord, you truly do work all things for the good of those who love you. You truly answer my prayers. You didn't answer it the way I thought you were going to, or the way I felt I needed it to be answered, but you answered it in the way that I, I really needed it. And it's amazing for me to see how even in the midst of what we might look at as a, as a, 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 a trial, a certain death, Jesus, he, he looks at the cross, he sees what's coming, and yet he prays. He prays with thanksgiving. It's like, Father God, your will be done, not my will. Because it's, it says for the joy, for, for what he knew was to come. He prayed, he endured, he, he suffered on our behalf. So if you are experiencing what might seem to you and feel to you like almost certain death, and many of us, I'm sure, your circumstances are not going to result in death, but it feels like that. Can you and I begin to look at things from God's perspective? If Jesus could go through the cross, knowing that there's an empty tomb on the other side, you and I can go through our struggles and trials knowing that there's a victorious God that stands with us even in the midst of our struggles. I love what, what Tim Keller says. He tells the story of, 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 of hearing um, a couple talk about their, a very difficult situation that they were facing. And they, they had prayed, and, and, and he even prayed for them, and it was like the outcome didn't quite happen the way he hoped for. But in the end, a few, you know, in hindsight and a little bit down the line, you, you could see God was at work. He says, when a child of mine, this is what God said to him as he was wrestling with God. He felt God drop these words in his heart. He says, when a child of mine, this is God speaking, makes a request, 
I always give that person what he or she would have asked for if they knew everything I know. God gives you and I the answers to the prayers that we would have prayed if we knew everything that God knows. And friends, I want to encourage us. The more you and I know God's character, God's nature, the more we surround ourselves with others that are like-minded, that are speaking peace, that are walking in God's presence, that are pursuing after God's presence rather than what the circumstances would bring. The more we do that, the more in line our prayers become with what God's will and plan is. That's what we need, friends. We need to be thanking God. Can you thank God? Even sometimes I pray this. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, I'm not so sure that this is really what you want for me. But I thank you for whatever the outcome might be because I know you're good and you know more than I do. Lastly, friends, the last action step you and I can take is loving. And this seems so simple, but friends, it's so profound. When you and I can learn, because many times we, we trust or we try to bring peace into our lives rather than bringing a person into our lives. We think that I'm going to mend my relationship with my wife by buying her more stuff or working harder or bringing more things into the relationship, but actually it's about pursuing a relationship. And as I pursue the relationship and more greater intimacy and connection, then it's also, all of a sudden the things we fight about or the things I'm frustrated about or she's frustrated about, those things become less because we get to know one another's hearts. Friends, God wants you and I to pursue a relationship with Jesus. Paul writes, he says in the first part, he talks about actually what we would think about. is like, you know, thinking about stuff that's true and noble and just. Those are things in the mind. But then he begins to talk about these lofty things, things that are pure and lovely and commendable, things that are attractive. If you spend some, some time with somebody and you, you hear them speak and, and they say, you know, they have these attributes that are things that are lovely and commendable and excellent and pure, those are the things you want to spend time with someone like that. Am I right? You don't just want to have spend time with somebody that knows what's right and what's wrong. And what can tell you, this is true, this is false. You want to spend time with somebody that has a deeper character. And in the same way, friends, you and I should pursue a relationship with God like that. So many times, the, the Greek philosophers would seek out contentment. Um, basically, they're, <laughs> you know, they would ask this question, how would we live with contentment? How would we live at peace, basically? And their conclusion was that if we could live with contentment, we would live free from our, or independent from our circumstances. But I believe that if I've, I love, and I look at my circumstances, I love my success, success can be taken away from me. If I love my, like I said, my relationship with my spouse, that, or my family, elements of that, I could, that could be taken away from me. It could change. But God wants you and I to love Him more deeply. To love Him with all of our hearts. And that means spending time with Him. Finding ways that we would love that which is consistent and true 
and does not change. Have you ever heard of the word immutable or mutable? Mutable is not like something that you TV mute, unmute. <laughs> okay? Immute, something that's immutable is something that does not change at any point. And then there are some things that can change and do change. We so often put our hearts and our, put our affection towards that which is changing. But as we see from the scripture, as we put our hearts towards that which doesn't change. Who doesn't change? God never changes. His presence. Can you and I fall in love with Jesus? His presence. When you're coming in the morning, you're not thinking first thing, Facebook scroll, let me see what's happening on social media. Lord, in that moment, as your eyes open, Lord Jesus, thank you for another day. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to spend time in your word. I don't want to just rush into the next thing. I want to take a moment to live from your peace. Augustine, the great uh, church father in his confessions, book number four writes, he says, God alone is the place that cannot be disturbed. And God will not withhold his love from you unless you withhold your love from him. At first I read this and I thought, yes, that's very, just that's harsh, eh? What do you mean? If I don't love God, he's not going to love me? No, it's about being able to access and experience and enjoy God's love. God's love is available to all of us. But does everybody experience it? Does everybody walk in his love? No, they don't. Why? Because their hearts are not set towards loving him. And I want to encourage us. Can you and I begin to lean our thoughts, fix our hearts and our minds on Him? Don't just let your mind be filled with the Word and you know some things, but let it also be an experience that you have in God's presence. If you love that which cannot change, you will have true and lasting peace. Loving God really does bring us peace. That transcends all understanding. And I know some of us in this room when I speak about loving God, you, you're actually, you don't love God. You, you might think you do, or you want to, but you feel like, how can I do that? So many of us live lives hoping. You know, it's like, it's like liking, you know, you, you, you want to court somebody. You're a teenager. You like somebody. There's a girl you like, or a guy. Hoping that they'll get your attention. But at no point do you actually reach out and make contact. You write letters to them write songs to them, but you never tell them. You never engage in a relationship with them. So many people I've experienced want to have a relationship with God, but they don't actually take the time to make contact with Him. And therefore, they live lives that are separated from Him. Any person that does not have a close relationship with God is actually walking away from Him. The Bible talks about that as, in, in essence, as a wicked life, a life that's, now some of you might say, yes, wickedness, Gareth, you're, I'm not a bad person, but wickedness is anything that does not want to please God. And Isaiah chapter 57, he says, in verse 20 and 21, he says, but the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God. 
for the wicked. You and I, if we have, don't have a relationship with God, if our hearts are not set towards Him, we become like the wicked. We are tossed by every wind, by every wave. If you've looked at the sea, there's a rock out on the shore. And then you look at the waves that come. Sometimes those waves are four or five meters high. And you think, surely that wave is going to crush this rock. And it comes over it, and it's completely covered. And you think it would be annihilated. But as the tide pulls back, the rock remains. Friends, when we started this passage in Isaiah, he writes, and he says the following. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. God wants you and I to live lives that are set on the rock, not on the sand. He wants us to live lives that are thinking, thanking, and loving Him in increasing measure. He wants us to be steadfast, not tossed by the circumstances of life, the breakdown of relationships, and the, the things we go through. But he wants us to experience that perfect peace. And today I'm trusting, I'm asking, I'm, I'm imploring you and I. Can we increase in our devotion to Jesus? Can we look to him? Because it says that God will guard us, you know, his peace would be with us in Christ Jesus. It's about being in Christ, not about Christ, not for Christ, but in him. And I want to ask us, you and I today, are you in Christ? If you are in Christ, you've been journeying with Him, can we begin to live in closer walk with Him? If you are here today and you know that you're not living for Him, can you place your feet on the rock today and allow Christ to give you a peace that transcends all understanding, that transforms your heart and your life, that makes you live and look to all of your circumstances in a different way because you're not living as the world lives, but you're living as Christ would want you to live. Let's stand together as the music team comes forward. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that even as we stand, I, I know that for many of us, if we had to take stock of our lives, we, we realize that we... We have not built our lives on the rock of Christ. We're not secure. We're insecure. We're being tossed. We're not a well-built city. We don't have a place of refuge to run into. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that if that is you today, if you have, know that you have not been living for God fully, you've set your mind and your heart on things of this world, success, things that you actually have no control over, 